20% of what we do leads to 80% of the results, right? Which means 80% of our efforts are leading to just 20%. Where in this process can we make things more efficient? Where is the noise? Uh, and, and what part of my training program is actually holding me back? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Carrick. And with us today is Christian Burris and Jeremy Tucker from Adapt Fitness. Uh, full disclosure, I am an advisor with Adapt Fitness. I'm really excited about this fitness app. I think it has an offering that I, as a young athlete, as a young hockey player, would have really benefited from. I used to, I was telling Jeremy and Christian before we press record today, my training program when I was around 12, 13, I used to just go show up at the local sportsplex, it's called. And it had all these training recommendations, like if you're an average Joe, uh, if you're a semi-competitive athlete, all the way to if you're a professional bodybuilder. And it, it had, on the poster, it said, the average professional bodybuilder trains six days a week uh, for four hours or longer. And so that was really my only guiding North Star. I thought to myself, I'm like, well, pro athletes, I'm, I'll bet they work harder than, than bodybuilders. So I'm just going to stay here four hours and two minutes. And uh, that was... Basically, the entirety of my uh, training program, I would just go machine to machine, you know, jam some leg presses, some lat pull downs, uh, you know, go hit uh, the elliptical if I thought, you know, one of the cute high school girls was over there. And, uh, you know, that was essentially where I started. And now I, I've, I've been able to meet some really high end people uh, like Christian Burris. We met now probably 12, 13 years ago when I was playing for the U.S. development team. And we'll tell that story. Uh, but Jeremy, Christian, please introduce yourselves a little bit about your bio and, and introduce why we're talking here today. Well, the, uh, the cute girl in the gym might be the best motivation I've ever heard of, to be honest, but, uh, it's undefeated. Yeah, it's so just I'm, behind, behind it all over PRs sure. everywhere. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, I started adapt probably six, eight years ago and it was really aimed to, uh, just deliver really highly customized programming to non-pro athletes. So people who aren't afforded those opportunities to work with NHL strength coaches. And so we've had a, a good run, but I got my start at uh, Harvard University with their internship program, worked at a prep school in Minneapolis, and then now uh, in the development strength coach for the Chicago Blackhawks. So I travel around and get to work with our prospects and our minor league teams and have a blast doing it. And also, uh, have a pretty good time working with Jeremy Tucker as well. Well, thanks, Christian. I appreciate that. That's the first time you said that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was yeah. recording too, in so we'll have that. We'll package too. that up and we'll, and we'll get you that. Tucks. Yeah. So hi, how you doing, Jeremy? So uh, kind of my background is in marketing PR. <clears throat> uh, it's a long, long story how I met Christian. Um, but kind of the short version is I've come on board here recently to kind of help help on the marketing and tell the story of adapt <clears throat> just share what these guys are doing what christian built and uh kind of blow it up and bring it to the masses awesome so so christian a key part of uh the adapt fitness app is the virtual conversation between athlete and a really high-end strength coach like yourself so what is that conversation what is the app uh what, what is it particularly looking for and how will it program based off of what is said in that conversation? Yeah. So maybe the first step would be to consider what it's not. And 
unfortunately, what we see all too, all, all too often in the industry is one workout that's applied to an entire team. And that, even if the program is amazing or the workout's amazing, it's still very generalized to the team itself and not for the individual. So that's a problem. And the two conversations that are, are meant to make up for those deficiencies that we commonly see is if you have a NHL strength coach that's working with a single player, Connor is an example, you would walk in and ask Connor, you know, what injuries do you have? What equipment do we have available for this session? And then leading into the future, what does your game schedule look like? Or, you know, you have a game today, are you in the off season game tomorrow? How I would program for that is very different based on those responses from the athlete. And then there are other things like restrictions for injuries, um, technical ability. So how well do you move? If you're a middle schooler versus high school versus NHLer, those are very, very different movement pattern competencies. And we want to make sure we're adjusting for that. So that not only is it important to adjust and customize for the individual because um, from an injury perspective, but also from a confidence perspective too, if they just aren't getting a particular movement, that could set them up for failure just from a mental perspective. And we want to make sure that it's appropriate for that age group and and technical ability. So that really sets the overall roadmap. And then the second conversation you can think of as every day, and we have an everyday approach because it's modeled after how things are typically done in the NHL. Every day we're going to do something in the gym. And that's something, if it's a game day, might be game day prep, which is just 10 to 15 minutes. Or if it's in the off season and Connor's feeling really good, that could be a tough workout. That's an hour, hour and 20 minutes long. But we are able to make those adjustments in person. It's very difficult to do that with technology. And that's really what we wanted to to solve for. So that pre-routine conversation that we have in place, that's meant to go over how are you feeling? How'd you sleep? What's your motivation look like? And cover that base. So the immediate in the moment needs of the athlete. And once we were able to understand those two conversations and categorize them, then we started building some algorithms on the back end to actually shoot out the appropriate, you know, workout routines for that individual. So it was a pretty long process to get to this point. But now we're at a stage where if working with an NHL strength coach is an A plus experience one on one with an athlete. We feel adapt is in that, you know, A minus B plus range. But the difference is now we can scale that up to 100,000 people and deliver it to the masses in the hockey community. So I know it was a long winded answer, but really that that highly customized programming, as you would see at the NHL level, we, we really want to bring that to the masses. So in short, that that's the main purpose. Yeah, when I was a younger player, what this process sort of looked like was I used to at the beginning of a of a of a training season, I used to take my video phone and send Kevin Ziegler just videos of whatever gym I was at, whatever uh, equipment was available uh, for the foreseeable future, and and in the next you know week or two he would punch out a program and and I would go off and 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 blindly do it. So I understand from a risk reward. Uh, analysis as a young athlete, absolutely having a set of eyes on you to correct in real time for, uh, you know, fatigue, uh, improper form, you know, that is sort of the, the Cadillac, but that, you know, not everyone can afford a Cadillac either with their, their time or money. Um, and so I help 
the user and the athlete understand a little bit of what uh, goes into on the tech side, on the calibration side with Adapt Fitness. So I'll give some examples. What I what my experience was when I jumped on, it showed me a set of exercises ranging from something as simple as you know jogging all the way to something more complicated like a, a hang clean. And it asked me what my proficiency was in all these exercises along the way. Uh, and then I found, you know, when I was able to punch in uh, what equipment I had and how I was feeling that day, like it was, it was a really comprehensively well-rounded training session. And then Christian, I also want you to touch on, I think what's really cool is how you can set your training goal based on what your needs are as an athlete. So generally I'm one that shows up. I think I'm in, uh, I'm generally very strong amongst NHL standards. Uh, I'm generally uh, in great shape fitness wise, but on the speed development side, I think that that was a, a, fo- a focus for me and how it sort of shifts the the pie chart from a programming perspective. Like what's going on there? Yeah, that's a really important piece because <clears throat> there are so many variables to take into account. Like yourself, you're a veteran professional hockey player. And so you probably don't need to work on that strength piece as much as you may have when you were 18, 19, 20. And the different, and that's a really common theme, theme, right? Like when you're a younger athlete, you're developing strength is probably the best thing to do just to get a base, some general fitness strength. And then as you fill out a little bit, then we can start working on the specific needs of your game. So if you're a speed athlete, all right, you've got that base of strength. Now let's layer on speed to be a little more specific. It's always going to change. It's always going to ebb and flow, even in the off season, Some athletes might not have the experience of working with a quality strength coach, but if you do, there will be different phases in the off season. So start off general, maybe strength, maybe some eccentric work, and then you get more into power. That's just one example of a few different methodologies. But at the end of the day, varying that focus and intensity is really important. Um, And again, that's just one of many concepts that we're trying to integrate into the technology because it unfortunately is pretty commonplace for maybe an assistant coach or a parent to just throw a whiteboard workout up, you know, write something on a whiteboard and then the entire team goes through it without any real rhyme or reason. And that's definitely not the the best approach for the athlete or the team as a whole. So Jeremy Christian, I'll leave this open ended for both of you guys. What we're really the the creme de la creme experience has sort of been defined, right? That one-on-one experience and attention uh, from a really high-end strength coach. What I think we're really trying to do with Adapt Fitness is cater to those currently having really, really bad experiences, or let's call them blind experiences. Athletes trying to program on the fly uh, without an extensive educational background with certainly a lot of of will and, and self-discipline. And I, I applaud these athletes. I was one of them you know, kind of old school, just doing uh, jump rope exercises out, uh, you know, on the concrete in the driveway or, you know, the old school, uh, the dots, you know, the, the, the five dots on the board and, and doing 30 seconds, uh, you know, on 30 seconds off. Uh, but what has been some of the success stories surrounding ADAPT, both from an athlete individually coming to use the app, but also from the team side? Christian, can I just jump in here real quick and say something on the, sure. so I think the first, just at one point to make on the comments you just made, and we were talking about this kind of offline is I don't know that necessarily an athlete knows that they're, that they're at the bottom of the bottom in terms of the workout that they're doing, right? Like you kind of put your trust into the person that you're working with. And so I think for me on the marketing side and telling the story of adapt, um, it's more of it's education, like 
how how can you how do you you don't know what you don't know so how can we put like christian and the guys involved on the back end of this app these sports performance co- performance coaches how can we get them front and center and educating people all over the place as much as possible so someone actually goes when they go and they look at the whiteboard and they're like well maybe this isn't the best use of my time and so if we can tell that story on the brand side I think we've accomplished our goal and we and Christian like then, you know, that's what we're really trying to accomplish. It's an education piece. And so I just want to jump in and say that before Christian, you want to. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And it seems pretty clear to me that uh, unfortunately, there's a this association with newer strength coaches where it's like, however sore I can make the athlete that has some correlation with how good of a job I'm doing. And that's definitely ass backwards. And we hopefully are starting to like break out of that as an industry. I I think slowly but surely it's getting to a better place. Um, But once you do have that base level of fitness, you need to maintain it. You need to focus on the mobility, soft tissue, game prep, the rest recovery, all the stuff away from the gym. But it allows you to also focus on other avenues. So one of the philosophies that we do want to steer clear of is saying, similar to what you were talking about, where working out four hours a day in the gym, even two, even an hour and a half in some regards, is probably too much. We can be more condensed so that you can focus on, if it's the off-season, skill development. If it's uh, during the year, maybe it's some video work. So we want to make sure that we are doing the most effective training specifically for you so that you can focus on other avenues. And you know, you're going to have to lean heavily on your coaches for some of that hockey uh, technique related work. But I would like to think that we're, we have a compelling process for giving athletes exactly what they need so that it's essentially minimum viable dose. That's what we're looking to do. We're, we're, we're looking to trim away all the fat and give the athlete exactly what they need. Yeah, I really like you that. Know, I think Connor, uh, another... Go ahead. Just another quick thought there too, like in conversations uh, like out and about, like speaking about this app to people initially, something that comes up. I don't, a lot of these coaches, they're doing the coaching on ice. They aren't trained, right? They played hockey their whole life, right? Like, and then they give that off ice fitness piece to whatever the guy in the gym who's doing the whiteboard thing. They're not trained like Christian is trained to understand the body and how to work out and to do these things. So I think it's almost a little bit like the feedback I'm getting is like, thank God, right? Like that, that this exists and I don't have to take on this this responsibility anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, we also see that from other avenues because within our education process is training, but we're also getting pretty deep into journaling, uh, just making some associations, right? Like just checking in and like seeing how I feel and how does that relate to if I had a, a tough game or travel or maybe um I got into a fight with my parents or my girlfriend or whatever it is, but trying to have a holistic perspective from this. And then in addition to uh, you know, all of that, the nutrition side of it, we try to handle that as best we can. So we, we really want to make it so that coaches and athletes don't have to think as much and don't have to be as confused because that confusion is it's tough. I mean I I it would be foolish of me to spend the last 20 years of my life focusing on strength and conditioning and then assume that I know anything about the technical aspects of hockey. Like I know a little bit, but relative to somebody that spent the last 20, 30, 40 years of their life as a coach. And so the reverse is true for strength and conditioning and nutrition. We're just trying to de-stress 
and make sure that they feel comfortable with the product that uh, we're trying to deliver. Yeah, I agree. I think as an athlete, I could have used greater uh, sense of support and education. That's what ADAPT is, in, in my opinion. I think it's it's hard enough to provide your best effort, which is what's asked of you as an athlete. When you compile that with the decision fatigue of trying to make some training decisions on your own, uh, it can become very clunky. And I agree. I think, you know, I, I lived the summer schedule, the off-season schedule uh, as a pro athlete. Efficiency matters. And I think it's the one part uh, of, the, of the training regiment that hasn't been accounted for. Like each of my coaches, uh, you know, I, I see a skating coach. I have a strength conditioning and performance coach. I have, you know, sort of my skills coach. They all have suggestions for what I could be doing more of. And I, as the athlete, don't always feel that that actually leads to a better on ice product. Uh, and so one of the ways I audit, um, you know, the coaches I work with even moving forward is like, if you're not recommending I stop doing something, there, there's, there's no room. Like all 24 hours of my day, are accounted for. Right. I'm trying my ass off in the gym. So uh, at the core of it, if you want me to add something, I really need your help in, in looking over what I can uh, pull away from to make room, uh, both from a time and energy perspective, which is what, you know, some, something I think ADAPT uh, help, helps fill that gap. Yeah. And I'd be interested to hear what you guys uh, have to say, just because you were uh, both fairly significant hockey players. I mean, the stress of needing to to like train a certain way or the stress of needing to figure it out or the stress of blood work and then taking a bunch of pills like that's that's a pretty big task and sometimes i wonder if the stress of trying to stick to that schedule and worry about it and you know through that lens of just like not having that education piece is as bad as not having the plan in place to begin with um and I just wonder how, like, how do you guys, how do you guys manage that? Like one of the, one of the concepts that I've heard is, all right, you have a game, you played really well, and hopefully you're journaling your progress leading up to that game. And then if you played really poorly, like, what did you do leading up to that? But I mean, how do you guys manage that as players? Because it seems like there are a ton of moving parts to keep track of. Connor, why don't you there take are. That one? You're a little more significant hockey player than I was. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm chomping at the bit to do so. I knew there I mean, was a chirp when I said that. <laughs> as an as a as a pro hockey player, like I've seen players go as far as marking with a sharpie certain spots on their skates uh, on their laces for where they wanted to tie their skate to. So if they if the lace is aligned in a certain way, they knew they were tied properly. Every hockey player, uh, for the most part, will carry what's with them uh, a measure stick, right? Like this, the stick that was uh, the most perfect length when they were playing their best, and they will not let anyone touch it. It always travels on the team because for whatever reason, you know, you you, you go to eye it up the next time. Maybe the stick graphics are a little off. Uh, maybe you're wearing flip flops, and when you're cutting it, you were barefoot. You you lose track. Um, and so the way I view it is I, I come back to the, you know, there's a saying, and I don't know where it comes from, but it's like 20% of what we do leads to 80% of the results, right? Which means 80% of our efforts are leading to just 20%. It's like, what if, mm -hmm. what if we made, where in this process can we make 
things more efficient? Where is the noise? Uh, and, and what part of my training program is actually holding me back? Um, and I, I mean, I'm evaluating this constantly. Uh, and, and you'll see the players that are particularly good at it. They have this knack for knowing what they need and unapologetically pursuing it. If they're in the gym and for whatever reason they try to communicate to their coach that, you know, I just don't have any juice today. I really feel like I'm on the cusp of getting injured or sick. And the coach continues to press. Like I've seen it, guys just say, Hey, thanks. I'm out today. See ya. Yeah. Or I've seen, you know, well, really high end pros that are doing yeah. drills and practice. And they're like, you know, I know what I, f- I know what feels, what it feels like to get better. This drill isn't doing it for me. And they'll go screw off and do what they need to in the corner. And there's a little bit of tension between the coach and the athlete at that point. But what, what, What's happening is there was a breakdown in that initial conversation you said adapts trying to foster. There was a breakdown there. Either the athlete that wasn't able to fully communicate it or the coach wasn't in a position uh, to hear the athlete and actually do something with the edits. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of moving pieces. And I, I, I think of it in the summer where, gosh, you've got the laundry piece. You, you, the, the best fertilizer you have for your training is sleep. Every athlete I know that I've talked to is struggling to get seven and a half. And I've talked to some of the hardest working guys that I've shared NHL locker rooms with. Um, you and I both know what nine hours a night would do for their training program. And so the question becomes like, okay, if I train an hour and sleep nine hours, or if I train three hours and sleep seven, what's going to be the better effect? I don't know. This is part of the conversation I think has been ignored for a bit. Yeah, it's tricky. It's really tricky. Um, it's funny, though, because then you see some players who are just so gifted and they, they leave some of these training habits just to the wayside and uh, they still somehow manage to play 10 years in the NHL. But that is uh, very, very rare. And I, I think pretty much all athletes need to learn this stuff. And typically, it, at least in my experience, it comes in the form of players either getting injured and then building a relationship with the training staff. And then they buy in, um, you know, that perspective of just like missing the game and not being able to do anything about it besides, you know, what they should have done initially, which is like prehab and restoration, but now it's rehab. So um, those processes are really tough. But yeah, I agree. Like the education piece needs to be much better on the sleep side of it. I mean, one of the rules of thumb that we, try to push is eight hours of sleep and then an additional hour for every hour of exercise for that day. So if it's an hour, hour lift, hour practice, it's eight plus one, uh, two hours, eight plus two. And that seems to work pretty well, but it's tough because travel schedule gets in the way, uh, overtraining syndrome prevents, and that goes back to the coaches being educated. You know, that prevents people from sleeping, sleep disturbances, that type of thing. It's tricky. It's a tricky process. Well, and, and where I view on the, on the training side, when I first got into nutrition, uh, which was more difficult for me to get into and invest in than the training, I, I always enjoyed training. I enjoyed the physical challenge. Uh, nutrition, you know, having uh, vegetables for lunch, you know, very much felt like punishment um, at first, but my view was try it. I hadn't heard of a player that I looked up to that had invested in improving their eating habits and their fueling strategies that felt worse. 
And so, you know, for young athletes out there kind of towing the line on, I'm pretty good, maybe even elite. I don't think I need this component. Uh, try it. Try investing in your training. See if you don't feel, uh, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, and able to uh, repeat your high-end efforts for a, a longer, more extended period of time. And if you are trying that and you're not experiencing uh, improvements in your game, like maybe you think it, you legitimately feel it's making you worse, now start to investigate the methodologies you're using from a training perspective. I mean, Christian, I know you've seen this where you know, athletes for sure are working uh, very, very hard. They're following a certain uh, physical methodology uh, that by the book sounds like it could work, but you know, for whatever reason, uh, with the skill component of their game or the way they play, it's just not a fit. Yeah, and it's a problem. I think it's really good to have mentors, especially um, you know younger players, whether it's like high school to to D one or D one to pro athletes. Just having that understanding of what like the next level is doing. But I do think it's most important from a personality and social perspective, as well as like a scheduling perspective. You know, this is when you do what. Uh, and that could be like practice or, or sleep's an obvious one or nutrition or the training. But what they're doing within that training session probably shouldn't be exactly what the other guy's doing. That's your mentor. It should be, again, specific to you. And yeah. the tricky thing for a lot of younger players is understanding that, okay, I tried this. I'm feeling pretty smashed next day. I can't skate. Like my mechanics are all off because I'm so sore. Well, that style of training, you just might not be ready for. And maybe that's something that you shouldn't completely write off, but it's something that you should try next summer or during the season. So one of the things that we try to do is almost take a menu approach to training and education where, okay, if we know, if we think you need to work on strength, here are a few different options that will enhance that quality. If you need to focus on recovery or game prep, here are 10 different soft tissue and activation root or uh, exercises that you should try and then figure out what's going to work best for you. Because I, I personally think that with good coaching, you can get on the ballpark of what you need to do. But the true definition of being a pro is figuring out exactly what works best for you in the moment. And it's an ongoing process, right? How you prepare when you're 19 is very, very different than how you prepare when you're 25 and 30. So it's an ongoing process and there's no, there's no one silver bullet. Um, and you're probably the best example of that just cause you're, you're, you get pretty, uh, geeked out about this stuff. Um, and I don't think a lot of players do, to be honest, unless, yeah, I think, well, I think you just so, gotta so be you're... wired. So there, there are a lot of players that just like to be told what to do. You're, you're a little more cerebral about it. Well, uh, I mean, that's put kindly. I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, maybe that's just an aspect that I would say, some would argue I overthink. Uh, but I, I'll challenge you on how athletes prepare now. I, I I saw it when I first came in the league, there was a huge disparity between, you know, how younger players would prepare and some of the older players. There were some players old enough and had been around long enough. They frankly didn't even care. They got hurt. They were going to read the newspaper and just show up for the game. And, and they were, you know, modern marvels. Um, you know, but most of those guys have retired. And so I, I want to add some pressure, uh, to the equation. I do think if you're a young aspiring 
hockey player, the knowledge and NHL readiness of prospects and players coming up today is so strong. And I think it's because of the access to improved information that Adapt Fitness is providing, that different social media channels are providing, uh, that different uh, giants in the game are are starting to uh, show some of their process that used to go on behind uh, closed doors. And so I really challenge the the next generation player to educate themselves and start engaging with what they learn quickly uh, because this game... Someone said it to me when I was younger that this that the that the NHL the league gets better every year, and I was like, "What do you mean? Like, doesn't it just stay the same? Like, isn't it just always the best?" Like, and I I kind of didn't understand that from the root of it, but like, the NHL is getting tremendously better every single year, uh, and you have to keep up and outperform that pace and that trajectory for your own development. Well, what do you see internally, like when you're Let's say when you were with Toronto, like what some of the younger guys, when they come into the league, are they kind of fish out of water or do you think they actually are significantly more like, are they educated before they get into an organization situation or do they have that education in high school or junior? A lot of, a lot of them are educated to an, an, an impressive position. And what's really cool is the players that aren't, for the most part, are they're rare, but they're really, really high-end players who just haven't been pushed to a point in their career where they've had to be resourceful in this way. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. they're they're so talented, they've avoided the shoulder separation. They've never had to go through that rehab. Uh, they're in such premier shape that they just always finish first uh in, you know, in the bag skate. So they never really understood the need to apply themselves off the ice, uh, you know, in a in a metabolic conditioning sense, uh, for example, because they didn't feel a need to to grow that system. I there was a player I had in New Jersey. I'll throw him under the bus. His name's uh Miles Wood. And Woody's a he's a beauty. Uh but he, he you you look at him and he's he's built like a sprinter. Like he looks like he could go line up next to Usain Bolt and run the hundred meter uh sprint. Like he that that striation, that that leanness, he's very, very strong, long, you know, levers uh, in terms of arms and legs. And I, I was bugging him the one time like Woody like do you actually do anything like to to get faster? Because you are unbelievably fast. And uh, he looked at me with a with a big smile and was like, "Man, actually no." And yeah. and so, I think that's a funny contrast. Woody, uh, I think he actually had some some injuries last year, and I wonder if he's being more innovative now. Now compare that with another raw talent similar to him. I think would be this is an interesting case study would be a, a Chris Kreider, who notoriously uh, invests heavily in his talent development and in his off-ice uh, strength component. I know that he's uh, a diesel in the gym, both naturally, and he you know, kind of measures twice, cuts once to make sure no one's, you know, he looks over his shoulder, make sure no one's coming up behind him, invests heavily in his uh, off-season and, and in his, even his in-season prep, you know, 50 goals last year. Uh, huge. Uh, breakout season for him. He's he's been an NHL star for a long time, but it's always that question of how good can you be and for how long. Um, you know, we can look around the league at at certain players who you know 
had risen to a certain part of their game where they're they're really high end athletes, and now they've started to to fall off in terms of the league. Uh, I think there's other players. I mean, we've seen it. You know, let's look at uh, two other guys who are are pretty public about their process. Uh, Nate McKinnon is a bull, right? Uh, both on the ice, and we know in his off season or in his uh you know outside the rink prep, invests heavily in his nutrition. I'd heard, you know, rumors that he had moved uh, a therapist, a physical therapist that he really respected into the same building. So he was taking care of his body. We've heard the stories of LeBron investing millions of dollars uh, in his body. So I, I do think the next wave of athlete is starting to understand how to maximize the surface area of both their impact in the game and the longevity of that impact, right? Uh, you know, Michael Jordan didn't have LeBron's longevity. And there are reasons why I don't know all of them. Uh, but I imagine, you know, the premier stars of today's game, the Zidane Charas, the Patrick Marlowe's, they're they're playing till 42, 45. So if I'm the next generation, if I'm Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, you know, uh, you know, go on and on throughout the league, is 50 doable? with what we're learning and, and what you'll know as you get towards the end, because they're, they're obviously not 50 right now. So there's going to be even better information uh, for them uh, to learn. There's going to be even improved uh, theories on the application of, of what we know about the human physiology. I don't know. I think it's doable. And that's, yeah. I, I, I do think that I, I do think the imagination piece is something that, uh, you know, athletes do use, but I, I think it's something that, um, isn't used as often as it should. So getting back to the doing less, right? If, if a coach isn't suggesting I, I do less, I, I look around, I see a lot of tired athletes in the summer. Everyone's working their ass off. Like it, it really is a, a very hardworking sport. Guys skate, you know, an hour or two a day. Guys train two to three hours a day. To use your math from earlier, that's eight hours plus. That'd be another five. That'd be 12, 13 hours of sleep a night. No one's getting that. Um, you know, so there is, uh, an element of of overtraining, but I think you know Austin Matthews has this really uncanny wrist shot, right? Sort of his left foot, right foot step. His 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 shaft gets very vertical, and he rips the puck. Before Austin Matthews, no one shot like that. And now you see uh, Cole Caulfield. You know uh, Trevor Zegers kind of shoots like that. I'm trying to think of um, you know the Connor Bedard I just saw in the World Junior. He shoots like that. The next athlete imagines that this is possible. And there's going to be a huge wave of players that can shoot and score in this manner. Maybe not as prolific as Austin. The guy, you know, the guy had 60 last year. But I do think the next wave of athlete needs to reflect on, okay, what did the previous generation do? What actually was driving growth? And what was actually harming recovery? And I think ADAPT is in that conversation. Um, and I, I think they're extended forms of what we're doing now. Yeah. For talk, you got some? Well, yeah, just a couple of thoughts. Like I think what you're saying right there, a great, a great, it's a great example using Austin Matthews and, and his wrister snapper, whatever you want to call it. But, but you see that every night on, I don't know, call it whatever TSN sports center, you see him scoring his 50, 60 goals. I think it's rare like when have you seen Austin Matthews promote like in the gym or, you know, the shakes that he's putting in his body? You don't see that side, right? So, I mean, I think the first thought is 
if we can find like again from like the storytell side and i think what adapt does so well is it, it gives you it gives you access to all these things um but it but again if if the story if you're not seeing it every day by these guys that you follow on social media channels or whatever like you know you're watching watching the games if you're not seeing how they're preparing and you don't you don't know what they're doing it's hard to say oh well you know, I know he takes a snapshot and it's nasty. I can go out and practice that, but how do I practice the nutrition element? Right. So it's about showing that. I think, I think guys are getting better about it. I mean, obviously, you know, guys like you are leading the way, but then I think the other piece and the other thought I have is that I think there's a gap too, man. I think like athletes nowadays, the ones that I talk to and I see anyway, they know they need to be doing all these things, right? Like they understand that, that this exists. They understand that it's out there, but the gap exists in getting like someone like Christian that's at the NHL level. How do you get access to that? Like you don't. So no matter how much you, you, you know, you need to be doing it, you still have to go to the rink with your coach. Who's not sure how to do this and read the whiteboard. I'll keep using that example. Right? So you just, you just, you're, you're stuck. Adapt provides in my, I'm not like I sell like a salesman here, but I think like adapt provides a little bit of that, right? Like you don't have to be stuck anymore. Um, it's about, it's about getting out of kind of that rut. And, and I think everybody wins. The coach gets to kind of defer that because there's someone better who's doing it. Um, and the athlete gets to kind of experience that upper level training, nutrition, um, and everything that goes along with it. Yeah, they definitely, uh, guys like Austin Matthews, other players, Bedard, you know, they found that cheat code and, uh, they found it sooner than others, but that also goes to the education piece because I'm not, I mean, maybe a coach set, you know, sat him down and said like, Hey, this is something you should work on. But I'm sure that happened with a lot of other players as well and other coaches. And what, what I've always found interesting is taking a holistic approach where you know, the different categories, you know, the nutrition, you know, the, the stick handling, you know, the shooting, you know, the skating and doing everything. But then similar to off season in season, the ratios at which you work on each of those mechanics or each of those qualities is going to be different. So in the off season, obviously sport performance, off ice training, that's the priority within that there, there's another ratio of like what type of quality power, speed, that type of thing. But then as the in season or late off season progresses, it is more on ice skill development. Um, But if you can, again, educate, from a menu perspective, here are the opportunities for you to get better. And then the, the athlete learns. I mean, they're learning how to learn through that process. I do think it is a bit rough when you see college situations or pretty much any non-pro situation. I, I'm sure there are some other examples, but virtually every non-pro situation where there's a strength coach, it's just like, here's the workout, do the workout. There's not a ton of back and forth. And that's definitely setting the athlete up for not the success they could have from the perspective of getting the most out of that workout, but also getting them to understand the underlying principles so that they can think for themselves. I think that's really the key long-term to being a good pro. I agree. And I I think you touched on it, Christian. At at some point as an athlete, you are responsible for your own development and uh, adapt offers the athlete an opportunity uh, to invest in their physical fitness uh, in a way that's uh, efficient, both from a, a monetary demand standpoint and from a, a time investment and, and equipment usage demand, uh, which allows you more energy to investigate elsewhere in your 
game because it is very difficult to seek out uh, new skills. It is very time consuming, um, you know, to go over video. And these are things that athletes do do and, and should be doing. And, and Tux, one of the things I'll, I'll challenge you on is, you know, we're talking about athletes nowadays showing a little bit more of their, their off ice component um, and how athletes coming up, hockey players coming up know that there is more investment on the off ice side on the nutritional side. I agree. I think there's some really cool resources. Like I think, uh, you know, Connor McDavid, I think it was uh, whatever it takes uh, video. It's on YouTube. He discusses the rehabilitation with his knee and how extensive his program was. I thought that was a great insight. Something that inspired me as a fellow NHL or I haven't had the career that, you know, Connor McDavid has. Uh, but I found that like to be really innovative and, and, and challenge like, man, like this is how, you know, the best of the best are doing things. There's, there's an opportunity for me to do certain things better where I want to add pressure to this conversation again for the young athlete um, is be aware that the best in the game will show you some of what they're doing. They are not showing you all of what they're doing. And as an athlete who's not a top five player in the NHL, like that really motivates me. I want to get the most out of everything I'm doing currently. Um, but if someone has an edge on me, I want to find it and I, I, I want to use it too. And that's where at some point uh, you have to decide as an athlete, am I open to a growth mindset or not? Am I just going to keep doing uh, what I can to achieve the results I've always had? Or am I legitimately curious and ready to invest in myself in a way that, you know, I, I, I might invest all of myself and not get better. And, and that would suck. I'll, I'll make all this sacrifice and hard work and, and not have improved results. But what if I do? What if I do apply myself and get exactly what I want? And I think that that's a very powerful frame of mind for the young athlete to try on for size. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, I, I definitely feel bad for the player. Also, being in the Minneapolis area, there are a lot of coaches. I, this isn't a Minneapolis thing. It's just hockey's obviously very popular here. But parents that really care, they're kind of in the same boat. They're just lost. And I think that first, the first phase of that education process is so important just to orient yourself to the different possibilities. Um, but the number of variables that come into play are just limitless, right? Like there are things that you can control, but competition, that's something you can't control or travel schedules. So you can't control that, but how do you limit the negative effects that it has on you? And it's really tough for players to, to get the mindset. That growth mindset is unfortunately much less common than I would like, at least. I'm sure the rest of us would, would love to see that to be more commonplace. And I think it is becoming more commonplace just from the simple fact that people are talking about it. But it's tough. It's tough for younger players to to understand exactly what that means and then find the appropriate resources. Everybody wants to be a uh, player advisor when you know the the young athletes are are trying to commit to college or get drafted. So they have a lot of inputs. But um, I think fortunately for us, as far as educating players and having a platform to refer to for the off ice stuff, there's not really anything in this space. Uh, like what we're trying to do with Adapt. So I feel pretty pretty comfortable that, that we're going to be able to make a pretty significant impact. 
to to pivot, Christian, I, I want to highlight in, in your role to Chicago Blackhawks just how you do travel around the world and, and see how uh, strength and conditioning and performance monitoring is done in, in other parts of the world. Uh, what are some of the highlights from your travels? What are some of the horrors in terms of, you know, the, the training <laughs> modalities you've seen out there? Yeah. Uh, you don't have to name drop anybody or use, uh, you know, specific uh, gym names, but I am uh, curious of what's under the hood there. Yeah, I, it's a, it's a mixed bag. I mean, North American strength coaches sometimes, uh, talk down to European strength coaches. And then when I go over there, I kind of see the same thing that North American guys are doing. It's like with the internet, there's everybody knows the same stuff, right? It's just what their circumstances are. Are they willing to apply themselves? Probably the the toughest situations that we encounter would be, uh, you know, a, a football strength coach. And I'm being very general with this comment, but a football strength coach who happens to get a job training hockey players for a division one team and decides that barbell back squat two days, three days a week during the season, uh, heavy is probably a good way to train. And, you know, we try to educate players on just how to mitigate some of those issues because that could potentially set them up for injury. And then there, you know, most of the time it's a pretty good success case where, it's a good strength coach, pretty good backing from a university or, or a head coach, um, some financial backing as far as supplementation, nutrition, that type of thing. So the resources are definitely improving, but um, yeah, you do, see, you do see horror stories. I think it really just comes down to the fact that a lot of teams have to appeal to the entire team. You know, if, if a single player has a specific need, a lot of times that isn't addressed just because they're, again, the whiteboard example, they're writing one workout for an entire team. And I suppose that same thing applies to the honest side of it as well. But um, no, I'm very lucky to have this position. It's a great organization, really, really, really phenomenal staff. But it's fun going over to Europe, traveling to you know, visit, visit our players over there and then the North American guys as well. So I dig the job and uh, it definitely gives me some good context to understand what things are the type of modalities that strength coaches are using in the industry. So you, you deal with a lot, Christian, let's call them prospects for now. The tweeners where they're, they're growing out of the junior youth hockey world, college hockey world and entering into the pro world. I know on the private side, you've dealt with a lot of, uh, you know, bonafide established NHLers, uh, you know, and, and, and also below that age group, you know, 15 and down. So, between both amateur hockey players, you know, growing through the junior system and pros, what comments do you have on each of those groups of athletes? I think we've talked about this a little bit off air, so I have an idea of, you know, what you're going to say, but what focus in their training is the college junior player really missing? And what have you seen on the whole, on the pro hockey player side that they can do a better job of? The younger athletes really just need to understand how to move. They, they don't, from an injury point of view, they might get thrown into the fire with certain workouts where they could do, as a 16-year-old, even 18-year-old, hang cleans or barbell back squatting, technical movements that they're just not ready for technically. And getting that under control and educating them on proper form, how to brace your core, squeeze your glutes in the bottom of a 
squat position, that's super critical. Probably emphasis number one, unless there's an injury concern that we have to deal with. And this is like a lot of these concepts are they're not proprietary at all. They're just very common fundamental points of view. But that's the first thing to address. And then typically from you know 16 to 22, it's just filling out their frame, getting them to a position where, all right, maybe you've got a, a year or so, maybe two years of training in high school. Now we've got another two in college. You get to that age 20 range. That's when you start filling out your frame, maybe 21. But you don't want to go past that, right? Like there's definitely a rate of diminishing return where you do want to fill out your frame and have a really good base level of strength, but you don't want to get too far to the point where it's an injury concern or limits your speed or mobility. That's a pretty common issue as well. And once you reach that threshold, which should be fairly obvious to assess, it's typically you're not seeing as many strength gains. Maybe you do feel a little bit sluggish on the ice. Um, so that those are some indicators. But after that, it's really assessing, you know, what's your game? Is it a speed game? Is it maybe some more strength because your uh, power forward is the right thing to do? If it's speed, focus more on that and power. And then it seems that that focus typically goes from 21-22 till around when you see a decrease in off-ice performance. So your testing scores might diminish a little bit, but you're probably getting better at your game right? Like you're a better hockey player, even if your off ice testing results or even on ice testing results are a little bit diminished by five, 10%. And at that point, it seems like most players benefit the most out of focusing on restoration, really high quality warmups. Um, they're still training. The volume might be a little bit lower, but that typically is a continuum that I've seen. And then every once in a while you get outliers where they're really uh, developed at a younger age and then maybe the process of working on specific parameters like speed or power is a little bit earlier but i would say for the most part uh the players that i've worked with over the years follow that template pretty pretty consistently i agree and i think we talked about this a little bit off here was one of the things i've seen at the pro level that i didn't have a full understanding for when i was younger was the robustness in the face of a really brutal schedule so the need to recover around the clock and these aerobic systems uh, just being so developed and in the pro, I think that uh, guys' ability to skate and do it again night in night out for eighty-two to a hundred games a year, lengthy practices, face of travel. You know, your high minute guys are hitting twenty-five, thirty minutes. Um, you know, as I've skated around, you know, pros for you know next year be my tenth year in pro hockey. That's something that I did not recognize in my jump from junior it was just how good a shape these guys were in. Uh, from an aerobic capacity standpoint, and then from like an anaerobic repeatability standpoint. Yeah. And it gets tricky too, especially for college guys, because they play 40, 45 games for a season. And then they make that transition to pro and they've played their entire college career by December. It's like, that's have fun with that. So there's, there's a lot of education that goes into that as well. It's just like getting them to understand like, can't train like you used to it's probably good to do some aerobic conditioning and uh increase the volume in the off season as they transition from college to pro so jeremy as we start to to wrap this up christian what have been some of the success stories with adapt has there been uh any teams that have really been able to fill uh, a fitness need 
uh, on the individual side, you know, what sort of feedback are you getting in the marketplace? <clears throat> Christian, you want to handle that one first? Or you want me to? Yeah, no, you go for it. Yeah. So kind of my, like, um, my experience, uh, is fairly limited where I'm coming on board relatively. I'm just honestly, it's been, probably been a month since kind of, I came on board to kind of take the reins. Um, but, but again, the feedback has been, we talked about this offline. It's been, I've kind of, the people that I've introduced it to, and we've gone through some, uh, um, uh, some, uh, some some of what it what it's capable of it's kind of knocked their socks off i guess is the best way to put it it's just something that they've never seen before um christian does kind of his demo with uh uh with coaches and some kind of directors of hockey and then skills coaches it's just one of those things that they there's no access right now for something like this and so the feedback has been this is amazing um how do i get my hands on it uh quickly um, but, but then, you know, there's just kind of the stuff that we've been going through too. I think there's always the question of how do we, how do we, how do we integrate this into what we're doing? Right. Because it, it is kind of like a transition. I think like there's the status quo way of doing things right now for these teams. Um, and I won't use the example that we've used over and over again, but like, how do I incorporate this in without completely shocking the system? Um, so, so it's positive, but there's some questions. Um, but I think overall it's been, been everybody's been very receptive yeah and I, I think there's also this component of so kevin Neald with the bruins uh devin mcconnell with the with arizona those two guys have the kevin with the bruins is our vp of uh, performance and he's been instrumental in just revamping the the programming some of the logic on the back end and we get really deep as do you like Connor, you're very deep in the weeds on performance. And I think it's helped us to step back and say, how do we take these really, really complicated, advanced training methodologies and make them digestible for high school kids or high school parents, um, junior guys, maybe the junior coaches or high school coaches, they don't really care about the specific terminology they don't care about getting into the weeds. They just want to know exactly what to do. So yeah. as much as we do get a lot of good feedback from the athletes who do like to get in the weeds, mainly the higher end pro guys, I think equally so we get a lot of really good feedback from coaches and parents that just say, hey, it's nice to be told what to do and not need to think about this. And if we can, if we can take I, – I think skill development and sleep are the two most important things that an athlete can do. But if that makes up 50% of somebody's development, maybe 60, I think adapt can cover the other 40%. And if an athlete or a parent just doesn't need to think about that 40% and just execute on what we're educating them to do, I think that's a, a pretty good bar for success. I think that's a very humble position, Christian, to come in uh, for someone in your industry. I think it's very dangerous when a lot of these strength and conditioning coaches get their athletes home, you know, from a hockey season for the summer and uh, keep them sort of indoctrinated. This, this process in here in these gym walls is the end all be all. Um, while I think the strength and conditioning is a vital component, something I attend to almost daily. I probably train uh, five days a week for sure. 
uh, six on average where I'm, I'm at least doing something. Uh, I am a dad, so I try to keep Sundays, you know, for pancakes and, and you know, going to the park and things like that. Um, but you need to attend to your strength conditioning in an efficient manner so that you have room to sleep and do your skill work. So I, I really appreciate that method, that uh, point of view. And at the end of the day, to recap, I think for the athletes out there, what Adapt Fitness is trying to assess is what do you have to train today, equipment-wise, uh, from a time perspective, and from an energy perspective, and where do you want to go? Uh, when's your next game, and, and what are your goals uh, physically? And they, we try to uh, put you in contact uh, with a program uh, that's best for you. And I've, I've been really impressed. I've used it. I had uh, you know multiple weeks of travel this year where all I had was a, a hotel gym or even uh, you know just my body weight and, and some open sidewalk. Uh, and I was able to get after it in a way that, you know, all I needed to do was provide the work ethic uh, and, and the results would follow. So Christian, Tux, I appreciate your time today. Uh, I really have a lot of time for what you're you know trying to bring uh, to the marketplace. I do think it is revolutionary. I think there's a lot of very tired uh, coaches out there uh, unable to make just one more uh, decision for their athletes, unable to customize. And, and this might be... Um, you know, a, a, a lifeline for them as well. So I'm interested to see where it goes and I appreciate your time today, guys.